So this is our last week of Advent. We're talking about joy. I'm talking about joy. And, um, and this can be a hard season for a lot of people. Joy can be difficult. It really can be. To experience the joy of the Lord in the midst of the busyness, the craziness, the family dynamics. There's all kinds of stuff that, that, that goes on during this season. Um, I wanted to look at the person of Mary, Jesus' mother, Mary. And the story that was read by Ryan and Abigail Baker, that's the beginning of this, uh, this, this passage. I'm going to read the rest of the chapter today. I was raised Roman Catholic. I was a good Catholic boy. I was an altar boy. I was famous because I fell one time off the stage with the body and blood of Jesus. Literally, I fell off the stage. I was like 10 years old, and I was like this high up. It felt this high up, but it was maybe like this high up. But, but I literally, and if you, I mean, once the priest blesses it, it's like for them, that's, they believe it's the body and blood of Jesus. It's literally the body and blood. So I fell, and I was like, I can't drop this. And so I just hit the, the little table, like a table like this was over here, and I hit it, but nothing spilled. And the, the gasp from the audience was amazing. It was like this gasp. So I was the most famous altar boy. That's the kid who almost was condemned to hell. For, <laughs> that was the kid who almost, you know, was like, no, whatever. But he was, you know, I was just famous after that. But after I, you know, I, I really never understood the gospel growing up. I just kind of was, I was very religious, but I, I came to Christ later in life. And and I think I had this Protestant thing going on where I, I, I just reacted against, against Mary, honestly. I reacted against sort of the, the, the teachings that I heard and the stuff about praying to Mary. And so I, I kind of swung the other way of just like, I don't want to think about this, talk about this. She's, she was no different. She's just whatever, whatever. And, and I just want to repent of that this morning. I'm like, gosh, that is so, that's so, that's so ridiculous. And it's so wrong. And... Um, this week as I prepared, these past few weeks as I prepared for the t- this talk, I just was blown away by this amazing human being, that this woman, this human being, was the, the embodiment of, of humility and grace and love, that she prepared the way for Jesus, and that her whole life was about surrendering her desires for the Lord's desires for her son. And she was, as I mentioned two weeks ago, talking about Simeon. Simeon prophesied over, over Mary and said, you are going to be pierced with suffering because of this child. And you're going to suffer in a crazy way. And so she knew pain was coming. She knew loss was coming. And yet she continued over and over again throughout her life to just lay down her desires and her heart. And she surrendered. She was there when Jesus was born. And she was there when her son was on the cross. She never left him. She never left him. And it's an amazing story. I want to just talk about her. And I, I want to just say that um, she, is, she is wonderful. I mean, her story is wonderful. Her story of humility and grace is a challenge to me. It's a challenge to us. And so I want to just begin le- talking about this. She's from, she was from Nazareth. It was a small town. It was just this nowheresville. It was this little town of less than 10 acres in size. It was a small, small city outside of Jerusalem, outside of Bethlehem. It was pretty far away in the, in the nowhere, and it still is. I mean, it still is a pretty, pretty small place, and it's kind of, kind of, a, kind of a, a rougher area of Israel. And the average lifespan in Nazareth was, according to historians, less than 40 years. That was the average lifespan. Half the children died in, in birth, in, in birth and, and, and during pregnancy. It was a rough, rough place. This is why probably we don't, we don't hear much about Joseph beyond... Jesus' teenage years, after Jesus was 12 years old, you hear nothing about Joseph, because Joseph was probably 10 to 15 years older than Mary. Mary was, Mary was probably a teenager when she had Jesus, probably 13, 14, 15 years old, as was a custom 
in Jewish culture. And so Joseph was probably 25 to 35 years old. And so he's probably dead. By the time Jesus is a teenager, Mary's a single mom of like six kids. Jesus had four brothers and several sisters, it says. So, so Joseph is gone because he, 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 was, he was probably in his 50s when Jesus was a teenager. He probably died. We don't know, but that, that's kind of what we think. We think. And so Mary's a single mom raising these, this, these kids, a carpenter and just folks who work with their hands, and, he, and she's alone, and she raises them to know the Lord. And this prayer that she prays as, as we begin this, 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 uh, this passage is just is amazing to me. It's an amazing prayer of her. And for an uneducated 13, 14-year-old girl, she prays this prayer called the Magnificat, the Magnificent. She prays this prayer, and this prayer Literally every single line of this prayer is a quotation from the Old Testament. She's, she is quoting scripture from what she has absorbed in her own life for all those, all those years, 13 years. I mean, she knows the word. She's immersed in the word, and she is in love with the Lord. And so she is, she's called highly favored. Luke 1.28 that Ryan and Abigail just read this morning. It says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Again, all, all this reading I did from the, the Protestant view of like, what does it mean for her to be highly favored? And I, I just keep, I kept re- reading over and over again. It meant nothing really. We're all highly favored, right? We're all blessed and highly favored. You know, you see the bumper sticker, blessed and highly favored, you know. I'm blessed and highly favored. We're all blessed and highly favored. There's no, Mary was no different. Essentially, she was no different. I, I asked the question though, still, why would the Lord, why would God choose her? Did he, just, did he just literally just close his eyes and go, they're all the same, they're all the same, they're all the same. Who's this? Nazareth, okay. Teenage girl, okay. Mary, here she is. She was highly favored for some reason. She was moved, God was moved by Mary. God was moved by the heart of Mary. And he, he says it again, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. And this is just, it just kept shocking me. The more I read, the more I'm like, I don't agree with any of these things I'm reading. It's like she had something that wasn't common. She had something that wasn't happening. She was surrendered. She was humble. She was immersed in the word. It was part of who she was. And the Lord saw that and she was favored. She was favored. Not that he, he chooses and says, I want to pick that one and I reject that one. But his heart is moved by humility. His heart is moved by obedience. His heart is moved by a heart of surrender. It just is. And so Mary was, was chosen to be this vessel that would bring the Savior to the world. So the angel comes, visits Mary, and then she immediately goes and sees her cousin Elizabeth. And that's John the Baptist's mom. John the Baptist um, was Jesus' cousin. And so she spends three months with Elizabeth. And when she gets there, as the story goes, the, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy because the Spirit was touching him, and, and, and it was like this sense that this is the Savior. Mary's walking in the room. The baby in Elizabeth's womb is jumping, and, and, and Mary's like, what's going on? She says, Elizabeth said, this is, my, my child is jumping because you have the Messiah inside of you. And then Mary responds with this prayer with her cousin Elizabeth. This is the prayer she says. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 55. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He's been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy 
is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. What a prayer. Every single line is a reference back to some scripture verse that she had read and she had memorized and she had been filled with. Every single line is this profound depth of, of character, of an intimacy with the Lord. In part one, the first two verses, she expresses her feelings. My soul rejoices, my spirit glorifies the Lord. Those are the first two verses. In part two, she expresses what God has done. He's been mindful, he has seen her. And in part three, she, the, the bulk of the prayer, she basically describes him. She just talks about him. She just says, you bring down the proud and you lift up the broken. You see the weak and you blah, 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 all the way on. And it's a great model of prayer, really. She expresses her feelings. She expresses the facts of what God has done. And then she just talks truth. She just speaks truth. And a lot of times my prayers are just all feelings. I'm feeling this way. I'm broken. I need forgiveness. I need help. And it's just all feelings and it's all help. It's all give me, help me. Forgive me. And Mary spends a very little time on that. She spends most of the time, here's how I feel, because this is what you've done, and this is who you are. And she's immersed in the character, the nature, the person of God. And she's just praying the word of God. She's just, she's just praying his word back. If you want to fill your soul, if you want to fill up and edify yourself, pray scripture. Pray scripture. Like, it's so true. You can express your feelings and get stuff off your chest. You can ask for forgiveness. That's important too. All that stuff's great. But if you want to edify your inner man, or inner woman, you want to pray the word. Pray the word. Pray the word back to him. And that's what she does. She prays the word and she's filled with joy. My soul rejoices in God my Savior. Because she's filled with the word. Just a few references that she does. In part one, verse 46, she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, and my Savior. That's a quote from Psalm 34, too. My soul will make its boast in the Lord, the humble will hear it and rejoice. Psalm, Isaiah 61, 10. I delight greatly in the Lord, my soul rejoices in God. She's hearkening back to these readings from the Old Testament, from Isaiah and from the Psalms. In part two, the second part of the, of the prayer, she says, He's been mindful of my humble state. In other words, he sees me. He sees me in this little town, and now I'm 13, 14 years old, and this God, the God who's about to do all these things that she describes, he sees me. He sees you. He sees us in our, little, in our humble state, that we are seen amongst billions of people, the living God sees us. And she says, I'll be called blessed from now on. All generations will call me blessed. That's a quote, again, Psalm 138, 6, though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble. He keeps his distance from the proud. Verse 49, Psalm 71, 19, your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens and you have done great things. The third part, he says, she says, his mercy extends those who fear him. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. That's a quote from Psalm 98. He has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained victory for him. And then I'm not going to go all, all, all of them. There's so many. 
In verse 53, she says, He's filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty. That's a quote from Psalm 107.9. He has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. Every single line is a hearkening back to the truth. She's immersed in the truth of God. She's immersed in the, in the word of God. It came, it came to her almost instantaneously, naturally, because it came out of her soul. It was there. And that's challenging for me. In my own prayers, in my own time with the Lord, how much am I saying that is true? I'm, I'm expressing facts. I need this. I want this. I feel this. But how much am I expressing truth? You know, the truth of you are good. You're the Lord. You're sovereign. You're bigger than this problem. You're greater than this issue. You are the Lord. And, and, and she's doing that. She just, it just comes out of who she is. Humility is the key to this, to this, to this person, Mary. She is a humble person. She, she humbles herself and she lives a humble life. If I were to think about like what produces joy, what, how do we get joy? How do we experience joy? How do we walk in that? There's a lot of ingredients, right? We need, to, we need to experience the love of the Father. We need to know there's grace for us. We need to have a lot of things that are part of this, this pie. You know, I, I don't know how to make pie. I've, I just like to eat it. But I, I think there's like, there's baking soda probably and, and there's flour and there's sugar and there's eggs and there's, you know, whatever, shrimp. I don't know. What else? But but the, the biggest part of the pie that's the most important part is what? It's the crust. It's got to be the crust. The crust is most, some disagreement. So the, <laughs> the crust is hugely important from what I understand. And this, if you were to say, how does joy, how does joy happen in our lives? There's a lot of little ingredients, love and experiencing God. And all, but the crust is humility. The crust is the foundation around which you experience joy. It's the reason. It's like the, it's what everything else goes in. When we live and we choose humility, when we choose to go low, that's like the crust of the pie that makes everything else come into play. It makes it so amazing. Humility is looked down upon in our society. I was looking at this thing called Ngram in Google. I think it's like Ngram. It's like this Google program that, that, tra- that traces the use of words in Google books throughout, you know, the, all different books for 500 years. Humility was used like, you know, in, in the average book, it went from like being used frequently or being used more to like in, in 2000, it was like hardly ever used. The, the, the word humility is just not used in literature because it's just, it's just not popular. It's the definition of humility in our world is like to to self to self negate or to 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 lower your self worth or self opinion to have a low view of yourself to have a low view of who you are and that's not humility that's not biblical humility biblical humility is understanding it's a, actually it's a choice to begin with it's a choice but bi- bi- humility begins with saying lord you are and i am not you are great, you are perfect, you are love, you are all these things, and I choose to believe that you're good, and I humble myself, I lower my own desires, my own will, my own emotions to say, Lord, I need you, and I want you above all those things. It's a choice to lower the will. It's not, ironically, humility is not a fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, it's not one of those. It's not a gift, it's not a gift of the Holy Spirit, like prophecy, teaching, hospitality. It's none of those things. Humility is a choice of the human will. 
It's a choice of our own volition to humble ourselves. We submit. We go, we go low before the Lord. We recognize that we have gifts and talents and abilities and, and we have destiny, and we don't negate those things. We don't say, oh, I'm such a loser. I'm so bad. I'm such a failure. That's not humility. We, but we are saying all those things are from him. All those things are because of him. All those things are for him. And that was Mary. Mary was was the exemplification of walking out humility. Her whole life, she's kind of in the background with her son, in the background, loving him, supporting him, knowing that he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater, which is what John the Baptist said. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. C.S. Lewis said that. First Peter says, or actually Philippians says, do not do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility considers other, consider others above yourselves. It's hard. Humility is so hard. Humility is like this, um, this attitude that, that says, I choose not to get revenge. I choose not to get justice when I deserve it. I choose not to exalt myself when I want to. I choose not to be the center of attention. And, and people who usually walk in humility don't even, don't even really know it. They just kind of live, they live that way because they know Jesus. Jesus was the, the humble king, born in a stable, born in a way that was humiliating, born among animals, and he lived a life of humility. But Mary showed him humility. Mary showed his, her son a life of humility. And every parent... I can't imagine, I can't imagine what she went through. Every parent goes through a season of having to let go, having to let go of the control and the influence that they had over, the, over their child. It happens when they're teenagers or earlier, but there's a sense that you, you as a parent have to let go and trust God. You have to let go and say, Lord, I can't control this child anymore. I can't make them go this way, and I trust them. I entrust them to you. Mary did that from the day one. She had to do that from literally from the moment Jesus was born. I had to entrust him to the Father. Last week, our whole family had the flu, except for Shannon, because she's, she's highly favored. Um, <clears throat> but we had, the, we had the flu. It was, it was horrible. And, um, and it was like this, it was just, this, it was terrible. I, 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 was, I was sick first, and my son Jonah had it, and then Asher had it. And, and I really, we, we messed up, I messed up as a parent. We, we were... Um, Trying to take, take, take the temperature, sorry, and uh, the thermometer broke. Thermometer, yeah, thermometer broke. So we ordered one on Amazon Prime, same day shipping, right? Same day, same, same day shipping. Well, it didn't come, and so we couldn't take the temperature. We also ran out of Motrin, and so the Motrin didn't come either that day. So we had to wait a whole day. And my son Jonah's crying. He's like, "Dad, my abdomen, or needs abdomen, my stomach, you know." And I'm like, "It's okay, buddy. Just take some acetaminophen and just just watch, just watch uh, Paw Patrol. You know, it's fine." Um, and so we get the thermometer and, and the Motrin at the same time. So I'm like, let's put it all together and let's, let's see what his temperature is. 105.2. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible parent. I am a horrible parent. He's had this fever for like a day. I mean, there's, it's probably, he's probably brain damaged by now. But like, I mean, 105 point, we throw him in the bathtub and throw water on him and he's screaming. I'm like, I'm a horrible parent. Because <laughs> I was a horrible parent. And, and again, again, Motrin, about half an hour later, he, he was okay. But, but just watching your child suffer, watching anyone who's, you know, seen a child, either their own child or a relative or just a child in general just suffering, it's so, it's so hard. 
It's so traumatic. It's like I'm watching him screaming like, as if he's in battery acid or something in the bathtub. He's just screaming. And I'm like, I would trade places with him in a second. And, and, yet, and yet, I had to give him, I had to trust the Lord. And, and this is what Mary did her whole life. She knew he was going to suffer. And she continued to tr- trust Jesus to the Lord, knowing that this man would go through what he's going to go through. Humility is hard. It's real. If we want joy, I believe we do. I feel like the Lord, the Lord just wants to dispense joy. He wants, he wants us to walk in this amazing experience. Joy is different than happiness. Happiness is worldly things, getting worldly things that produce happiness. They're not, it's not necessarily wrong, but things that make us satisfied temporarily. A promotion at work or um, a new car or whatever it may be that makes you happy. But those are temporary things that never satisfy. Joy of the Lord can be experienced in the highest of highs and lowest of lows. It can be experienced in brokenness, in moments of brokenness, in moments of healing. Either way, the joy of the Lord can be felt because you know you're loved by God. And you know you're a son or daughter of the king. And you have value and worth, and you are chosen and called by him. Jesus came to show us and to bring us a revelation of the value that we have. And we still humble ourselves not to say that we're, we're worthless, but we're, we're very worthy in the sense that we have worth, intrinsic value in who we are as people, as sons and daughters. And he comes to bring joy. He comes to restore broken hearts. I feel like this morning, like, I just want to say that. I, I just want to say especially to men. That was prayed this morning in our time of prayer. I just, I, I thought more about it, but I feel like it can be so hard as a man to walk in the joy of the Lord. For whatever reason, like to walk in the joy of the Lord as sometimes being the, the provider for your family, the one who's working or something like that more. I feel like just in general, there's men in their church who need to know that you, you have an inheritance of joy in the Lord. Not to say that the women are not working or not that you're not pr- providing, but in general, I feel like for men, this, this, this emotion is difficult. It's difficult to walk in joy. Because there's, there's stuff that you carry. I carry. I, I struggle with this. I really do. And so this morning, I just want to pray over us as a church that we would know the joy of the Lord this season. What are we filling, our, what are we filling ourselves with? Are we filling ourselves with, with truth? Like Mary filled herself with truth, scripture, the scripture of, of her day. Fill yourself with the word of God and humility, the choice to go low, the choice to say to the Lord, I I." Lower my own heart and my own expectations and my own stuff before you. You are the king. Let's stand. Psalm 107 says, He has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. I'm just going to pray that we would have hunger this morning for this. Let's pray. Father, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to bring hunger to our hearts, Lord. We can't just make it up. We can't just manufacture hunger for you. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you would create hunger in us this morning. Wherever we are this season, Lord, I pray you'd create hunger for Jesus in us this 
this season. And Father, we just decide right now, we just decide as a church, as a family, to humble ourselves before you. That you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And so we ask for, we ask for grace. We choose to go low and humble ourselves to you. That you showed the way of humility, Lord. You showed the path of brokenness. And whatever barriers this morning there is to joy, I pray you'd remove those things, Father. Whatever barrier there is to joy, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd break off shame in Jesus' name. I pray you'd break off fear in Jesus' name. I pray you would remove every hindrance to love in us right now. Pray for the fathers, the men of our church too, Lord, as I just feel led to do that, Lord. I pray for joy, the joy of salvation in them, Lord. Just pray you'd pour out joy on all of us, Lord.